BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Well, hey, good morning, and welcome to the Bill Press Show. Uh, my name is Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call. Bill uh, is absent t- from school today. Uh, the note that we got from Carol said that he is reshooting his scenes for the Game of Thrones finale. Uh, <laughs> so more more on that in a, in a few moments. Uh, someone, uh, if you do see Bill, <laughs> ask him what Game of Thrones is. <laughs> it would. I. I actually. That's your job tomorrow, Peter. Uh, mm. when, when when he's back, or if he is back, you know, from from the shoot. I'm so. just gonna ask him. Explain Game of Thrones to me, <laughs> and that's just everybody can sit back and enjoy. I. I. I that that got a listener in me. You know, so. <laughs> Um, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking to people about Congress and Capitol Hill uh, from people who know it very well. Catherine Tully McManus at Roll Call, our congressional and legislative branch reporter, is going to talk about who's been naughty and who's been nice. Even though it's early for the Christmas season, uh, Catherine uh, makes a habit of checking in on the Ethics Committee and who's being investigated. It always makes for good con- uh, breakfast time conversation. Uh, Jennifer Shutt is going to run, run down what's happening with the disaster relief uh, package. Uh, this, this seems like a recurring theme. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll dispense with that and t- talk about Choco Tacos also. Uh, <laughs> and then rounding out the show will be our good friend Tim Krep, uh, who is uh, you know I, how how would you explain Tim? Uh, he's he's a guide. He's an author. He's a docent at Man the Congressional Center. Man about town, a raconteur, if you will. Right, yeah. First so, time on the show. First time at the show, which is hard to believe. It's I amazing. Know. So I know. I feel um, like I paid a price. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation with Tim. But first, we have the full court. This is the full court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. You mentioned Game of Thrones. Uh, did you did you watch this week's episode? Uh, n- no, but uh, I, but I did I did hear about the uh, the twenty first century visiting Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah. So I haven't watched this week's episode yet. I'm usually a couple days behind. I don't stay up late to watch the show. Uh, but people notice this is a spoiler alert, I guess. People notice that there was an unwanted character in this week's episode. There was a scene where all of the characters are around a table. They're uh, uh, celebrating. There's lots of uh, uh, 
alcohol being passed around and on the Maybe table some mead. and some mead out of a horn yeah. in front of Daenerys Targaryen there sits a plastic unmistakable Starbucks cup <laughs> even back then even back then even she back. was drinking I mean it's clear it's a white cup with a little brown you know sleeve on it uh, and and there sits a Starbucks cup you would have to uh, I mean this is one of the biggest TV shows of all time. They yeah. certainly have one of the biggest budgets of all time for a TV show. Hey, copy editing, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. It all it's comes important. back to that. It's important. Uh, it, which reminds me, like, I mean, Starbucks is—is is Howard Schultz still running for president? Oh gosh, that's a great question. I uh, who knows? I think I, was was he uh, lopped off as one of the characters <laughs> in Game of Thrones? Uh, I, well, you didn't see it. So that we, we'll I, we'll that just I have watch. to tune in. That know? I would watch. HBO I mean, is like, we're going to kill these people. <laughs> I never really thought that he was serious about the presidential run. I think it was purely to help sell his book. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably accomplished his goal. Uh, and I think he got a message loud and clear. And, so and, he can now go on to other things like appearing in Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> or just planting cups. Yeah. Like, you know, on Game of Thrones. Like, ah, let me just put that there. <laughs> Do you have uh, an Amazon Alexa or one of these home assistant things? A smart home? A smart home. Do you no. have one of these things? No, I don't. Neither do I'm I. I'm one of the few people who don't, apparently. I don't. And I made an active decision. I'm not going to bring a listening device into my house. And right. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not right. a nut. I just don't want a big tech company to listen to everything that happens in my house. Well, right. there is a news story out that says that Amazon's Alexa, Apple Siri, uh, Google Home, Assistant, yeah, which yeah. is another thing. They're all constantly listening to what you're saying, and they are all... Wait, really? I know. Shock of shock. I mean, like, I'm shocked, shocked. And they are keeping track. They're keeping a record, so you can actually access... They record everything that you ask it. Every time that they hear their word, right? You know, Alexa, blah, blah, blah. It records what you're saying. They're keeping track of it. Yeah, I'm totally shocked. <laughs> yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. So before we uh, move on to other topics, I, I do want to just revisit this last one about our smart homes spying on us. They're listening. Uh, they are. And, and I, I, I have to admit, I mean, like I, I sometimes, I mean, believe it or not, I can come across as a bit of a crank uh, when, it, when it comes to what? <laughs> about um, about the the brightest new thing that can you can insert into your house you know who who knew i had no idea that i would need a a, a toaster with a wireless signal in it oh yeah uh but uh, but apparently i do and i'm missing out or, or a refrigerator with a glass I was about to you say, know, that's you know, my like, favorite you can press a button and it'll have a camera inside your refrigerator right. that'll show you what's in your refrigerator right, because Gosh, it's, that's so much easier than you know getting up the door <laughs> And and so I've I've been skeptical of this stuff, and of course my friends have dismissed me as like you're just cranky, you don't like humanity, whatever. Uh, and and I just like I I this remember remember during the Bush administration, and there was all this sturm and drang about wireless like warrants, like you know, FISA courts, yeah, FISA court. I mean the the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, you know, like warrants that were authorized to try to catch terrorists. Well, you know, people rightfully went a little like. You know, they were up in arms about yeah. it, and yeah. and uh, and and you know, I think it still sort of rubs people the wrong way that a lot of people in the administration didn't go to 
prison for that because it was an, an invasion of privacy, of millions of people's privacy. I uh, still know people who have, like, certain laptops. They have the camera, right. the forward-facing camera, and they'll have a piece of tape over it. Right. Because we now know that the government can and has accessed private citizens' computers, right. cameras, right. to see what's going on. Now, that's horrifying. Yeah. And all you have to do is just put a piece of tape over it and they can't see it, which right. is kind of amazing. But we know that happens. Right. We know that happens. And, and I feel like it's just this collective shrug like, well, I mean, so what if Amazon like knows my every move and request, every single like album I want to listen to, every, you know, and, and it's people gonna just sort of- It's going to make my life better. Yeah. yeah and, and I'm like, will it? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm skeptical. I don't see why- that makes it better, and I and I only see some of the disadvantages of it, like the fact that a large corporation is spying on me. <laughs> I, I know that we've sort of moved to an area now where Facebook is bad, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the a lot of people see that. There are a lot you of were people... users than two years ago, yeah. This, the, you know, like from from the you know people just being like, eh. yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing what what what's happened with them. But you know, think about the number of people who use Facebook, right? in the billions, uh, bigger than any country mm-hmm. in the world, and they know everything about you. Right. They know things that the government doesn't know about you, you know? Not just where you live and who the members of your family because are. Because you sign a little consent form. You, yeah. do, you, you check a little box that says, like, sure, no problem. Yeah. They know where you live. They know who yeah. your family is. They know who your or, uh, friends are. They know what you did last night. They know what you had for dinner. They know... What, where you're going in another you know week or so? Right. I mean, it, like the government doesn't know these things, and you're willingly telling yeah. it's not good. No, it's not good. No, and so there's our there's our little cranky old Gen Xer. It's a, it's a new uh, segment like, called <laughs> "Old People Be Hating." <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So I I uh, let's let's dig into. The presidential race, um, just you know, full bore because I actually I really do want to spend most of the, the this uh, show talking about Congress mainly just because I, I I know it better than the presidency and it depresses me a little less uh, <laughs> than tuning into the Fair. president's uh, presidential medal of freedom Fair. ceremony uh, for for Tiger Woods. Um, I I um, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not a golfer. Like I, I have golfed. I don't have anything against golf. Um, but I, it, it's not one of those things that I'm, I'm super into. I mean, I was sort of nonplussed by, by the masters. I mean, like good for, good for Tiger. He o- overcame some stuff, I, uh, but like a presidential medal of freedom, it felt very like Royal court to me. So know? a couple of things about this story. Uh, Tiger Woods is the first active athlete to win mm-hmm. one of these medals of freedom. And, and I'm sure everybody knows about the medals of freedom. You right. know, it's, it's usually a person in right. the arts or in sports or something that, that, you know, represent the best of America. Right. right? Yeah. People like like Michael Jordan got one from Barack Obama. Yeah. And Arthur Ashe. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer, uh, right. you know, got, got it in the golf world. But again, you're right. They were retired at that point. Yeah. I mean, we, we had had some time to reflect. They on had it. great careers. It, it wasn't just like, you know, uh, somebody turned on the television, saw like, wow, that's awesome. He gets a president. Free- free- yeah, exactly. Which is exactly what happened, by the way. That's, <laughs> that is what happened. I mean, Trump tweeted almost immediately after Tiger Woods had his big comeback victory right. at the Masters. Uh I'm going to give him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And it, that was like, what, three weeks ago? 
a month ago? I mean, no, no, it wasn't not that, even. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. No. Uh-uh. And, boy, when they really want to get something done, they can get yeah. something done. They can be very efficient and yes. move very quickly when they want to. I, I think I, I think it's adorable that you say they. It's just, I know. It's just, this is one guy. It this is, is it's one totally guy. It's totally Trump. It's totally Trump. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the people who uh, wants to – uh, be president uh, in in 2021. That, that is, if the president does, you know, decide to relinquish power if he loses, which Nancy Pelosi is warning about. Which is like, like, why is that not a bigger story? <laughs> like so, the person third in line to the presidency says, like, I don't think the president will ever give up power willingly. So, uh, if I could, if I could, <laughs> I know that, that like we, we have some things we want to talk about, but on that note, uh, that has been a fear of mine for the longest time. Donald Trump. Uh, is absolutely going to contest the results of the election. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi's message, which I, which I thought was very curious, was if we run someone too far to the left, he will contest the election results. He contested his own election result that right. he won. It's right. not a matter of someone being too far left right. or being too center it, or whatever. It he doesn't matter. He contested the results of the Kentucky Derby. Right. He will contest any result. It's like cozying up to any bully. You yeah. know, pe- people think like, oh, if I just cozy up to the bully, he won't punch me in the face. Now he's going to punch you in the face no matter what. No matter what. Yeah, this you is might what you might as well, do. you might as well fight back or or move out of town. Yeah. You know, I mean, those are right. your options. <laughs> right. You know? right. Like, but accommodating it is not. Um, I mean, I, this is my bias against, you know, sort of kowtowing to bullies and people who are just overall jerks. Um, you know, it anyway. Yeah. I mean, I mean look, if, yeah. if if anybody thinks that there's somehow a nice way to win the presidency as a Democrat right. and Donald Trump to say. Good race. Yeah. Well fought. Yeah. Good work. I'm going to sail they're, off in my yacht down the Potomac. Right. You know? They're out. Oh, wait. All of his yachts got taken mind. away. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but they're out of their minds. Right. It yeah. doesn't matter who wins. He, is, Donald Trump is going to contest it. Yeah. And, and this is, a, I think, a fundamental difference, I think, between um, the, the two parties, at least right now in the party leadership, is that the... I, I do think I feel like there's a lot of like, oh, you know, we just need a fair fight. We just need to, everybody to feel like faith in the process. And, you know, people like like Trump and they're 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 like, no, we're going to we're going to come come through here with like blow torches and, and uh, welding equipment to, to make sure that we can hang on to power. Yeah, everybody should be terrified of I don't know that this, we have plenty of things to be terrified, you know, like right now. Yeah. But a mass bit, extinction, climate change. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Uh, but just a little bit farther on down the calendar, <laughs> after the election uh, next year, uh, it's going to be a real problem. And I've been saying that since day one. Yeah. I, I don't care who beats Donald Trump, and I'm not, you know, I don't think anybody's going to beat him in like a landslide. Right. Uh, but if he does lose this next presidential race, he's not going to go out quietly. No. Not likely. But fear not, Andrew Yang has an idea. <laughs> This is so great. This was at a rally, uh, air quotes, rally for Andrew <laughs> Yang. It was a gathering uh, for Andrew Yang yesterday afternoon. I'm going to be the first president to use PowerPoint in the State of the Union. How do you feel? Yeah, break out the PowerPoint champ. I don't do it. What? nerdiest presidential campaign in history. 
Well, he said it. Okay, I mean, good for him for like you know sort of latching onto an identity. Uh, I th- I think as as our friend Brandon Weatherby you know talked about yesterday, there is no nerd culture anymore. I mean, right. Like there's just <laughs> culture. I mean, when when the biggest movies on the planet are based on comic books. Sorry, the nerds won. Uh, the richest man in the world is a nerd. Uh, I mean, you know, th- this is, it's it's over. The nerds won. Um, uh, now, uh, uh, chanting PowerPoint yeah. is a special brand of nerdy. It, it, it is. And one of the things that I don't get uh, is why PowerPoint still exists. Fair. Uh, Absolutely I, fair. I have I, I, I get its utility for people, but it's really I mean, it's just a slideshow, you know, and and <laughs> and the thing that has always bothered me about PowerPoint presentations and perhaps I've just you know, worked for too many places that um have an unimaginative uh work uh sort of style is that somebody will start their power presentation and then they'll just sit there and read it. As as if you can't read, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's not it's not like they're putting you know subliminal messages in there like you know now's the time to go buy popcorn you know or, or whatever you know like th- there's no there's nothing there, there's nothing imaginative in ninety nine percent of the powerpoints. I'm sure somebody out there has done an, a really amazing PowerPoint presentation. I haven't seen it. <laughs> here's me telling you the words right. that are right in front of your eyes, but also here's a picture. Right. <laughs> here's a picture. Uh, we're going to talk about the word synergy. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, it's just like ah, you know, yeah. and and I get it. I mean, Andrew Yang is not going to uh, bulldoze through Joe Biden right. <laughs> by by you know portraying himself as some sort of like friend of the unions and you know, I'm, hi, I'm Joe from Scranton, you know, kind of kind of thing. He he's not going to have that kind of appeal. He's got to have his own shtick. This shtick is. Relatively weak, I think. Um, I mean, I, I don't even appreciate it from an ironic perspective. Sure. And, and and I loved the movie Office Space. I mean, like you know, <laughs> I, I I feel like you know, Inatech can teach us things. Yeah. You know, the, the, the company there, but like, uh, I mean, again, it's maybe... a real. It's this this race is interesting in the sense that there are a couple of candidates who are running for president who have like two ideas. Mm-hmm. And he's one of them. He has, like, two ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talks about universal basic income, right. which is great, and I think it's mm-hmm. interesting that we're having that conversation. And he talks about uh, the loss of jobs due to automation and robots. Smart homes. And smart homes. You could hire which... somebody to open the door for you. It's called a butler. <laughs> right, you, don't ne- right. you don't need Amazon <laughs> to do it for you, people. And, like, I think <laughs> that, you know, the whole automation thing and, and the fact that a lot of people are losing their jobs due to automation is is a real serious problem. Yeah. Uh, and it, to run an entire presidential campaign on it, though, is thin. Yeah. Well, and and I and I wonder is this is this something where is are these sort of issues can the could these be taken care of in a different forum, you know whether it's being um, you know serving in some other capacity in public service or, I mean what are the what are the things that have changed our lives the most? There are companies like Amazon and Google and Starbucks and Uber and and. And, you know, people, somebody who was, you know, younger than Andrew Yang probably at this point. I mean, he's in his 40s, early 40s, right, or something like that. Right? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and, uh, and saying, like, I think that I'm going to, you know, kind of 
present a better way of getting people around a city so they don't have to like you know try to hail a cab at two o'clock in the morning uh, and and not get one or I'm going to you know design a search engine and you know undercut the advertising market by presenting it cheaper or you know I mean like those are ways that people's cha- lives actually change like you know in a far more profound manner than say, even Donald Trump and and or Barack Obama. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Over, over the last two years. I, I mean, think that's absolutely right. Right. I mean, the government does some very indispensable things, but in terms of changing culture and talking about like things like, what are we going to do when when we actually arrive at a position where a lot of these you know robots and artificial intelligence devices can take over like a lot of the menial jobs and tasks that we take for granted. You know, like when 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 we. When we use robots for landscaping, what's that going to do to the labor pool? Uh, when, when you know, like robots can just make coffee for you, like what does that do, you know, downstairs to, you know, Peregrine, where Tim Krupp probably is, is drinking coffee right now. Right now, right now yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, and grasping with that and trying to, like, figure out, you know, those those, those things, I mean, that can be done in, in a lot of in a lot of different ways that don't involve getting 1% in presidential polling. <laughs> Are we being too mean? I mean, I, I just... No, I, 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 look, I think it's I think it's a very realist position here, you mm-hmm. know, to, to talk about this. I mean, it's it's silly. It's it's really silly. And I say that as a liberal elitist who believes in, in you know, the power of government and all of that. But, like, you're right. You're Is it really elite to think that, no, like, you know, government should just be able to fill a few potholes right. every once in a while and stay <laughs> no. and st- and make sure that companies don't monitor you without your consent? Or, well, this is or sort of like that. this is this is sort of an interesting uh, thing when we talk about the presidential politics, right? I think that there are so many people who uh, look at these reactionaries, right, like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, these like hyper progressive, and they're just like, no, look, the government is the most powerful, if you want to look at it this way, company. Mm-hmm. Talk about disrupting. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. Right. They've got all the money that they need. It's the biggest they employer have, in the world, I think. Right? Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. the biggest employer. Uh, they have all the money that they need. They have the power to get things done. There's, you know, and and they see that as opposed to, you know, I think about the, the old Simpsons bit where they're like, in the future, your milk will be delivered by robot milkmen. And it's like, <laughs> It's kind of a like not exactly what we're right. going for here, right? Uh, so, like, I think there are some people who realize like the government can just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They have the power to do it. They have the money to do it. They have the backing to do it. As opposed to these like you know half baked ideas. Well, and you know, th- this this is interesting because I mean some you know some of the ideas that are being you know espoused by the Democratic presidential candidates and even by the president himself. I mean, like they're. Um, there are some big, there are some big ones. Medicare for all, um, you know, fighting climate change. I mean, th- these are these are big sort of ideas. Um, and again, getting back to the whole, like, you know, a, a company can have a big, you know, like sort of um, influence here. I mean, can you imagine if the government would have put the same kind of effort uh, into? developing you know developing a communication system that works uh th- through the internet you know uh you know by, by helping develop the internet and helping regulate it that they did in going to the moon <laughs> or you know i mean we're we're talking about you know the possibility of going back to going back to the moon or going to mars eventually 
Um, it, it seems to be one of those perennial ideas that keeps on, you know, starting and stopping, starting and stopping. And then Elon Musk says, like, I, I think I want to do it, too. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like and, I, there was a tweet not that long ago about sort of <clears throat> the way that centrist Democrats approach some of these big problems. And you talk about all the problems with, like, for-profit prisons mm-hmm. and, like, you know, the textbook centrist Democrats like, let's hire more women prison guards. Right. That's the solution. <laughs> it's like, no. No, it's not the problem. No. It's like such a bigger problem than that. And and that that's also one of the things like like the the things that government chooses to um you know to say like we're not going to get involved in that or we're, or we're you know granted it would be very complicated for the government to implement a healthcare system now. Like the time to do it was probably 1945, you know, or 1946 when other industrialized countries were doing it and you could do it from the ground up. Now it's just like, you know, we're we're kind of trying to figure out how to maneuver our ways around multiple public and private healthcare systems, whether yeah. they're Medicare, Medicaid, the VA, you know, or Aetna and Cigna and so forth. I mean, well, there's so many health systems that it's it's almost impossible to start over. Yeah, no, you know? exactly. And I, and I think that there, there there needs to be a realization within the Democratic Party uh, when you're looking at the, the primary and who to vote for. Uh, there was a time in this country that if you considered yourself a progressive, things were going pretty great. Mm-hmm. And then... In the late 70s, 80s, they just gave it away. <laughs> they didn't fight for it. Right. They just gave it away. They gave it over to the banks. They gave it over to the health uh, insurers. They gave it away. I mean, it, it, any number of, uh, of issues. Well, it and seemed so, like a pause, right? I mean, like they, they, yeah. you know, they started with Medicare and Medicaid because it's like, all right, we can't get universal health care, so let's start by covering the two most vulnerable populations. Yeah. You know, poor kids and poor people and old people. And old people. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and then we'll 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 find a way to bridge the gap. Yeah. And they didn't. And they never did. And they never did. Except they were like, Okay, you know, let's return to this in the in the nineties. Let's do the children's health insurance program because like kids who uh are in lower middle class, you know, or upper, you know, like poor like sort of brackets, they should get health care too. So like it's like, okay, well, well let's do here. And then, you know, they just yeah. eventually, you know, just kind of did and it this, gets muddled. Yeah, this it system is so complicated. It gets now. confusing. Right. Nobody understands it, right? right? And you know, look, there are a lot of reasons why Hillary Clinton lost in 2016, right? But one of them was that she continued that. Right. She she absolutely made it very confusing. It, it's a very simple uh, uh, p- platform and a very simple position. If you're running for president, this is what I want, and I will accept nothing less. Right. That's it. That's it. Let people decide. And I, I wonder if, if like, you know, talking about, like, you know, we get, again, we've, we've talked about this on the show, how we have, you know, more than 20, you know, Democratic presidential candidates, you know, to, to sort of pick pick and choose from if you're a, a Democratic primary voter and or a caucus goer. If, sorry. Sorry, Iowa. Uh, <laughs> and and everybody brings a certain level you know of, of experience to the table. But you have people in their 30s and you have people in their 70s. And. I wonder if, like, you know, at a certain point, at a certain point, what do you say? Do you, do you are you just able to say, like, you know, Joe, Bernie, you know, you're, you're you have been around so long, there is so much baggage there, like, we we actually like we really want to like kind of start the conversation over. And and what's what's interesting is that I mean I don't think that this is a young person versus old person thing because like some of the people who are the most receptive. To Bernie Sanders' message, are, oh, yeah. are young people totally? You know, because again, it's a it's an understandable message. You know that that the the 
system is rigged against you and you need sort of a wholesale cleaning out and and start over with Medicare for all, say. Uh, but I don't know. I I, I just it, it seems like there's just always another thing you're you're sort of digging out, you know, of of this like mass of decades and decades and decades of experience. And it's I think it, it's hard to it's hard to clear that away, you know, and, and no, probably nobody has more baggage in life than Donald Trump. Right. It's, it's, a, it's the great example of like, I mean, this this guy brings so many uh, insecurities and weird like, you know, episodes from his life to the presidency every single day. The grievances, right. yeah. you know, I mean, and, and it's just tiring. It's just tiresome. And we're a young country, too. I mean, we're exactly. a relatively young country um, that it, it, it's it's hard to. It's hard to wrap my head around. It also says something about the fact, and this this speaks to a, a lot of the older people in the race, the the lifers, right? The the people that have been in government for a really, 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 really long time, is that in some ways it sort of breaks your brain. It really takes you out of the real world, right? Because it's not real what you're living. If you're a, like an elected official, uh, it's not real. And if you've been there for a long time, it you get used to that and you think it's real. Right. One of the things that um, – one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to uh, Catherine, uh, who will be our next guest uh, shortly, is, I mean, because she covers Congress and, and, and started covering it sort of as an institution as opposed to, you know, the political, the campaign aspect, which I think was a, was a lot of people's entree, is that it is this different world. It, it and and it has its own rules and mores and and a lot of that is uh, incredibly different than <laughs> than the work life that the rest of us uh, like uh, have to experience on a daily basis. And know? it's also so that those people who who do have to you know work for a living, they don't th- spend a lot of time thinking about. They don't see it. They don't understand it. They don't grasp it. You know, in a lot of ways. And and so like I in, in that way I kind of get it. And this is not a throw the bums out thing. I no, mean, because no, there no, are some no, people no. who have been there for a long time and understand that you know like they they are are in touch with their constituents. They're in touch with the re- the broader society and totally. culture. Uh, but it doesn't take long to get insulated. <laughs> that's the best word. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a good transition. Let's take a short break and then bring uh, KTM Catherine Tully McManus on to talk about. Congress and all kinds of congressional stuff. This is the Bill Press Show. So that little bit of music lead in, that's what I I think of as the 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 almost kind of sort of mid era Wilco. Oh nice, there you go. Do 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 that's a very, very good observation. I mean, it's it's right there. We were all we're all bobbing our heads. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the curtain back just a little bit. I've done this before. People always ask us about the music on the show. Uh, we pick music that we absolutely do not care for <laughs> because it's unlicensed, and we can put it on the podcast, right. and we can't use licensed music, so we couldn't put actual Wilco on there, but we could put like. This band, Will Can't, <laughs> the Wilco knockoff band that doesn't charge you any money for using their tunes. I I think uh, you should go back even further to stuff in the public domain from like the early 20th century. Yeah, like, right. Bum, 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 yeah. Bum, bum, you know, like, Ogie Carmichael. R- right. Yeah. I think Bill has a couple of his records. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they're uh, they're uh, not even 78s. They're 16s. Right, you know. Like, right. <laughs> 
joining us uh, this half hour is my colleague at Roll Call, Catherine Tully McManus. She covers Congress in the legislative branch. You can follow her on Twitter at Tully McManus. Uh, KTM, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, one of the things I, um, I, I have been just sort of fascinated by is that, yes, the presidential election is in full swing. Uh, things are, are, you know, the president is giving Tiger Woods presidential medals and so forth. And all along, you know, the, the, the silent machinery of Congress continues, like chugs along. Um, the, 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 you know, the, the spending process, for instance, is sort of underway, even though they have a lot of unanswered questions. But one thing that, that Congress is definitely doing, the very first bill, the spending bill that Congress is marking up is what? The legislative branch spending bill. They got to spend their <laughs> right. own dollars on themselves, you know? That's right. <laughs> so, and there is a technical reason for this, uh, which is that they don't wait for the president to, to spell out what they can spend on themselves. I mean, the, the, the president, you know, like says, like, I want this much money for the Defense Department and this much money for the VA. And, and they this say much money, no. Yeah, and this much money for HHS. But Congress gets to say, like, actually, this is how much money we want for the Capitol Police. And, right. And they have like the legislative branch agencies. So you think of Congress as the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. But there's all these support agencies, the Capitol Police, the Library of Congress, right. the Architect of the Capitol. They, the leaders of all of those agencies actually submit their own request to the right. committee instead of running it through the White House. Um which I think is, on one hand, functional. Mm-hmm. Um, it speeds the process up, but it's also really symbolic that the president, yes, will have to sign the bill at the end of the process, but the legislative branch doesn't want the president saying, we're going to slash funding for the Senate, or right. he'd probably do the House nowadays. Right. Um, but it, it is theoretically uh, a separate and equal branch of government. Right. In, in in theory, it is <laughs> at, at this level, and this is this is one of the very consistent areas where they do assert that power. They they may be like, uh, you know, you can withhold parts of say Robert Mueller's special counsel report, but like when it comes to how much money the Library of Congress gets, we have the final say on this. <laughs> yeah, and you can see actually the trust issues at play within the legislative branch bill um, even earlier this year. Uh, the now outgoing chief of Capitol Police. Matthew Verderosa. Yes. yes. Um, Verderosa said that for the conventions, the upcoming um, Republican and Democratic National Conventions, Capitol Police wants a huge presence there, as they usually do. Mm-hmm. And when lawmakers ask, like, but there's Secret Service, but like Homeland Security is there, you know, the FBI is usually on the scene mm-hmm. um, because there's so many high-profile people. Basically, Capitol Police said nobody's... Protecting Congress like we right. are, and we don't want any like the buck stops with us. We right. don't want any threats or anything against our people uh, being handled. You know, they will coordinate with all mm-hmm. those other law enforcement agencies, but they want to be on the scene with their, you know, bomb robot and right. all of their equipment. And that's why um, partially they're asking for an increase. Right. And, and you know, this also, you know, brings up an interesting point, too, which is that. When there is a threat against a lawmaker, uh, yes, mm-hmm. the FBI is brought into it. But the original jurisdiction on, on a threat on a lawmaker or or her or his staff is the Capitol Police, even if that threat occurs out in Cottonwood, Arizona, uh, say, for Correct. instance. Correct. And so. they do. They've really been emphasizing to lawmakers in recent years, especially since the uh, baseball sh- shooting. Uh, two um, years ago, yeah. Yeah, two years ago, the coordination that they do. And they've always had a coordination system, but they're... Um, 
showing it and articulating it much more clearly to lawmakers that when you have a town hall meeting, your hometown uh, police chief is probably in contact with the Capitol Police about strategy for how to deal with rowdy protesters, how to deal with maybe that disgruntled guy that's always outside your district office. Or a unique Uh, threat that's been phoned in that the Capitol Police are aware of that maybe the town of Sparta, Georgia is not. Right. Hmm. And they are in coordination. um, And that, I think, in recent years, lawmakers have been really happy to hear Uh about those efforts. Um, other exciting elements of the bill, uh, <laughs> if you're interested in how I, Congress I mean, wants to spend money on themselves. I, I am. I mean, like, I mean, for instance, I mean, again, the, the Library of Congress, this is this gem, I feel like that the people um, they, when they visit Washington, that may not be top of mind. I mean, they go to the Smithsonian, uh, the Smithsonian they go to the World War Two monument, the Lincoln Memorial and so forth. The, the Library of Congress is the world's largest library. It has it has everything in it. It is free. The tours are not overpacked with people led by Tim Krepp, or maybe he will. He's showing up later on uh, today, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to sprinkle uh, conversation throughout the day with, with references to Tim Krepp. Uh, but I mean, it's it's it is this gem, and it's a gorgeous set of buildings, uh, particularly the Jefferson Building, and it's it's untapped almost. You know, yeah, the Librarian of Congress, Carla Hayden, um, she is trying to change your. Washington, D.C. vacation itinerary to put (laughs) the Library of Congress higher up on your Mm -hmm. list. Um, There's a very ambitious plan that they are undertaking to, quote unquote, transform the visitor experience. Mm -hmm. They would like that Jefferson building that's right across the street from Congress uh, to be a destination. They're really she's a former children's librarian. And so she has a lot of ideas of how to enhance the experience for young kids who are often, uh, you know, brought to D.C. by their parents to see the halls of Congress and things. And maybe the legislative process isn't uh, sparking their interest, but something <laughs> like uh, seeing all the like cool children's books authors mm-hmm. who have come through the Library of Congress or seeing, you know, original illustrations before they made it into a children's book or something like that. A lot of like comic books mm-hmm. and other things that could engage kids. Um, and so they are planning an Oculus where you can look into the main reading room without disturbing people that mm-hmm. are in there. Alex, Alex Haley, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote basically Roots, mm-hmm. um, he uh, did tons of his research at like physically at the Library of Congress mm-hmm. and bringing those types of resources and history to life people is one of their goals. Uh, They're also doing a really unique element, which is a public-private partnership to fund it. Mm. So Congress will appropriate appropriate some of the money, but they're also doing a huge fundraising effort. Um, They're hiring basically what universities and other public institutions call like a development Mm -hmm. team to fundraise. Uh, And I'm not not sure what that will look like, but I'm keeping an eye on that. I, yeah, I mean, and I not not to you know just become uh, um, fan fanboys and girls just for the Library of Congress, but I, I do want to mention one last thing before we uh, move on to a couple of other issues that we're going to talk about, which is that the for a movie person, you know, a big a big fan of the movies, um, you know, the, the library is very involved in preservation efforts uh, for for film and in, in particular because a lot of film stock, and particularly in the early part of the 20th century incredibly unstable they lost an immense amount of, of movies from the particularly from the silent era 
that were just gone. And so they, they have um, massive restoration and preservation efforts underway for the early history of film up, up until you know, contemporary time. Mm-hmm. And they, they have a, a big campus out in Virginia um, that, that where they show movies a lot. And part of that is like making sure that the film doesn't like deteriorate. So you have to actually use it. Um, but they also have film. They have showings at here at the uh, at the Madison Building. I mean, there you can go to free movies <laughs> at the Library week, of Congress. Really cool things too. <laughs> this month they're doing a talk. I do not remember if it's the director or the writer of Crazy Rich Asians uh-huh. and a showing. Um, and they do. And people might remember when the Queer Eye team were in town mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. They were here for a talk at the Library of Congress. Right. There's like really cool events that they're putting on um, which I don't think necessarily tourists know about Mm -hmm. and I think that people who live in the area would be really surprised about how many celebs I I think a lot of people yeah I think a lot of people who we work with at CQ and Roll Call probably are not aware of this so I mean it's not it's uh, a it's I don't know it's just sort of a gem so so and so we've talked about cops. We talked about libraries, mm-hmm. uh, and and there's other other there's other stuff on on the list too. I mean, yeah, there's a, a issue that will definitely come up this week at the markup of the legislative branch spending bill. This uh, is when they approve and amend and so forth and, and send it on to yeah, the, they'll to be the talking floor. about it. Yeah. Is um, that Democrats have included language to open up um, employment opportunities for Dreamers, mm-hmm. recipients of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. Mm-hmm to work on Capitol Hill. Currently, there is a prohibition on most people who are not U.S. citizens Mm -hmm. working for the federal government. There are exceptions, but DACA recipients are not included in those exceptions right now. And if you can think about in the last few years, the political mobilization that has emerged around immigration issues, Mm -hmm. and especially these dreamers, who many of whom are college educated, many of whom have gotten involved in activism, even there was a, a lawmaker elected this cycle whose uh, political director of his campaign was a dreamer. Mm-hmm. He wanted her as chief of staff. And then he found out she's ineligible to work for him on Capitol Hill. Um, so he basically said, thanks for getting me here. I can't employ you anymore. Right. Um, and they are trying to change that. Uh, they would love to bring some of those engaged activists dreamers into the policy making arena who better to have input on their own experience uh, that kind of idea we did hear some initial pushback in the subcommittee markup um, and i will be keeping an eye on wednesday whether republicans voice a larger concern about that yeah i mean again high, high drama Hi, drama. Uh, another uh, era, or not era, another area. I've, I only had the one cup of coffee this morning, so uh, one another area that you cover uh, are uh, is, is the ethics realm, um, and this is uh, talk about the the slow moving process of, of justice. Um, I mean, the, the, particularly in the House, um, there there is a process by which you know members can be investigated. Ordinary citizens can can file complaints uh, to to the Office of Congressional Ethics. And if it's, you know, if they vet it and think that this is worthwhile, they'll, you know, send it to the House Ethics Committee, which is made up of lawmakers. It's evenly divided. It's one of the very, it's the only committee that's that's evenly divided um, uh, between Democrats and Republicans. And, and they'll 
probably take a lot of time to to to, to mull it over. Uh, but every once in a while, they send out this release saying, you know, it's, it's almost like a stock market or a, or a SEC proxy statement. You have to actually know what you're looking for to to find out what's going on. Uh, but we found out recently that there are a bunch of lawmakers who, by the way, are still being investigated by the House Ethics Committees and could could potentially face some some liabilities for a, a variety of of malfeasance if proved true. Yes, you might remember at the end of the last Congress, we saw kind of a flurry, probably not <laughs> <laughs> a flurry of ethics investigations being closed because mm-hmm. people were leaving office. Right. Um, this is kind of the flip side to that. Uh, lawmakers that continued into the 116th Congress who were under investigation previously, uh, basically the House Ethics Committee has voted mm-hmm. unanimously in three cases to continue those investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, they are Chris Collins of New York, Duncan Hunter of California, and David Schweikert. Two of those, Chris Collins and Duncan Hunter, listeners may remember, <laughs> saw federal indictments come down last right. year. Uh, those investigations by the House Ethics Committee are actually on hold. For they're a they're while. letting the FBI uh, take the the U.S. attorneys in those yeah. areas. To, I like uh, to do say their... by request of right. the Department of Justice. Right. Basically, they have pending court cases. They're going right. to be in court, um, and they don't want the Ethics Committee like dropping information that could affect their federal case against these lawmakers. Um, And the Ethics Committee, this is tradition. They will um, yield to those kind of requests when there's ongoing federal legal action. Um, But David Schweikert... This is a Republican from Arizona. Republican. Um, uh, He... uh, He's good to go. Um, (laughs) And by that, I mean the investigation will be moving forward. Uh, He, the Office of Congressional Ethics, which handed this off to the House Ethics Committee, um, was investigating allegations that he misused his office funds, that his they then extended the expanded the inquiry into his campaign misusing Mm -hmm. funds and not being clear about delineations, which all sounds um, like nitty gritty issues. But some of this is taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. That's uh, office funds and their congressional allowances and things right. like that. And you're not and, allowed to use that for campaign purposes. This is, right, this or is, personal. Uh, yeah, this is a fairly typical like thing that people screw up is they're like, oh, I'll just use this for, you know, I'll, I'll have a staffer, you mm-hmm. know, make fundraising phone calls, right. you know, from my capital office. I'm not, and I'm not saying that Schweiker did that, but that's one example of how you can very easily uh, yes. violate the law uh, and, and ethics procedures. And it seems... Uh, like it's nitty gritty and it doesn't matter, but thinking about it in the framework of its taxpayer dollars and this is how we ensure that um, elections kind of are clean, mm-hmm. um, that is what the Ethics Committee is looking into. Uh, I think Duncan Hunter and Chris Gollins probably have enough on their plate to worry about with the federal uh, cases against them. They're not really they're, worried about the House Ethics Committee right they're now. They're really <laughs> not. Um, but I think there are there have been some great, great articles out um, about what exactly are those lawmakers doing. They've been stripped of their right. uh, Collins and Hunter have been stripped of their committee responsibilities. Right. Um, and I'm interested in are they meeting with 100% more constituents than right. they used to? Or what, what do they spend their days doing if they don't have legislative responsibilities? Right. Now, I, and and just, and just to recap, uh, Chris Collins was um, accused by the federal government of, of uh, insider trading, of, mm-hmm. of tipping off his 
uh, members of his family about uh, a, something that was going to happen with a, a company that they had a lot of stock in a health healthcare company. He was on the so, board. Right, he was on the board, and and you know he's been accused of tipping off his son to sell stock. You know when before bad news hit, and then Duncan Hunter, it was it was misuse again of of you know campaign and and office money uh, to 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 the degree where he was. Taking, per, I mean, he's been accused of taking personal vacations on the taxpayer's dime, and, right? Like, and, really trying to bully his way into a naval base in Italy, in order to basically write off a family trip right. to Italy as um, a, a congressional trip. L- l- listeners may re- may also uh, recall because this is just so vivid is that one of the uh, things that he, I think he used campaign funds to pay pay for was the the transport of a pet rabbit, one of his kids' pet rabbits on on an airplane. I think it, it, it is at one point. So he was um, also writing off things, which this really did rile up um, people on both sides of the aisle. Uh, he was writing things off for wounded warriors. He's a he's a combat veteran, mm-hmm. um, and he was writing off events as congressional work with wounded warriors that had nothing to do with the wounded warriors program or their Mm -hmm. nonprofit. Um, and that, you know, riled up some fellow veterans against him. And, and you, you mentioned the, the, um, you know, him being stripped of his committee assignments. Steve King, also a Republican from Iowa has, has been stripped of his uh, committee assignments. He is not under, you know, an ethics cloud or, or under federal indictment, but, um, I think a, a month ago or so, uh, the Washington Post, Ben Terrace, did this story about what does Steve King do all day? Uh, and and it is there's a there, you got a lot of free time on your hands uh, if if you're not um, going to committee you know meetings and and that there's it's more than just the couple hours in the morning you know that that they reserve for committee you know hearings because most people you know you you've been to a lot of hearings and you know like most people don't show up for them so many hearings <laughs> but <Jason>. but, <laughs> but there's a lot um there's a lot of preparation i mean if you take your job seriously there's a lot of preparation that goes into that you have staff that is briefing you about about issues uh, and so apparently what Steve King does a lot of is as you said he, he meets with constituents he goes to the floor to vote cuz he still has a vote um but um other than that it's i mean the the <laughs> He's he's probably getting his campaign in order if uh, if, in, if indeed he is uh, going to run for re-election in in 2020. So it's uh, again one of those little quirks of of society. Um, let's talk a little bit um, about uh, the Red Sox. Happily, <laughs> we're, uh, always. We're, we're uh, we, we, uh, yesterday uh, our our friend and colleague Niels Lesniewski was in the in, in studio talking about how. Um, the Red Sox, uh, you know, they're they're in Baltimore for a series. The this is typically the time when a World Series champion like like your Red Sox. Uh, uh, Catherine is a, uh, a a native of Massachusetts. Uh, hey, congratulations so. to the Boston Celtics right. who have dropped three straight to the Bucks. Uh, okay, okay. Sorry, I know I know that's changing sports and all that, but uh, well, I mean, again, it, it's that. been what I mean, ten years now since the Celtics have won an NBA championship. I mean, the people of Boston are suffering. Hey, look, know. there's one only of these... been two parades this year, guys. It's hard. It's hard in Boston. Okay, <laughs> it's a bleak time in in Boston. Um, but the um, you know the, this is usually the time when they have a nearby series as they do playing in Baltimore um, the, the, this uh, this week where they would come down to the White House the White House would extend an op- uh, you know uh, an invitation and and the president uh, would buy them Big Macs I guess or fillet of fishes or whatever uh, whatever who the wa- doesn't love flat coke right <laughs> that's been sitting on a table for three uh, hours <laughs> and so um, 
you know, Alex Cora, the the manager of mm-hmm. the the uh, Boston Red Sox, uh, who led them to the championship last year, former player, is also a Puerto Rican, has said he was bowing out because he this is not going to be. I mean, something he wants to take part in, especially yeah. when the when the crux of this re- issue on disaster relief, which we'll talk about with our friend Jennifer Shutt uh, in in the next hour. Uh, is, you know, if the president's going to continue to say that Puerto Rico is the reason and like that, I mean, they, they've mismanaged their money and I'm not going to sign any kind of disaster relief if it gives any more money to Puerto Rico. He's like, I'm out. I'm 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 done, you know, because he and it's not just him as a Puerto Rican, but as, as somebody who's helped in relief efforts. Yeah, the, a the really interesting element of this story <laughs> is that when Alex Cora was signed to uh, manage the Red Sox, one of there's usually so many um you know negotiations mm-hmm. with money and perks and all that come with being a major league baseball manager uh and his request was can he use the red sox plane basically fill it with resources mm-hmm. and land it in puerto rico this was very soon after mm-hmm. the devastating hurricanes um and the red sox were like what is that yeah, definitely. Sure, like, sure, Alex. I'm sure there have been much we more. We thought you were going to ask for your own island, so we're good. You right. Know, like... um, and so this has this is not a new thing. This is not right. even necessarily about. Um, this isn't necessarily political for Alex Cora. Mm-hmm. This is much more personal. Right. Um, he's from Puerto Rico, and this has been one of his agenda items. Much longer right. than Trump has been in office, frankly. Uh, but I think he is taking a stand. But this also isn't new. We've seen right. other teams bow out of meeting with entirely. the president right. entirely. The Golden, Golden State Warriors. Golden yeah. State Warriors yeah. did not. Wait, I thought um, Trump uninvited them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, they that's said right. they probably weren't going to go, and then right. he was like, "Fine, I'm taking away your invitation." <laughs> but even the most recent time, okay, so. The Patriots won the Super Bowl. They they haven't been to the White it's House yet. Tough to keep yet. track of all these but championships. The last in time, the last time the Patriots won the Super Bowl, I went to the White House ceremony and Trump buddy allegedly Tom Brady wasn't there. There was when I looked up at the little podium that had the football team there, I was like, that's not how many guys are on a football team. Right, right. Tons of them didn't show. Um, Giselle had a had a commitment. Right, she had to wash her hair. Uh, um, Tom Brady had to, you know, uh, proselytize against nightshade, you know, vegetables and fruits. <laughs> Strawberries, so, right, tomatoes, right. eggplants, uh, <laughs> beware. But His yes, it will, so be, nice. it will be interesting to see on Thursday when they are scheduled to be there. Um, so a number of players have also said, I mean, take perhaps like maybe they, they don't care, but they're like, you know what, I would rather sleep in uh, in my hotel or take early batting practice or go down to the Inner Harbor, whatever. Uh, but if I don't have to go, if Alex isn't going, like I'm not going to go. And that, that includes probably, arguably their best player, Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I've, I've noticed a trend is, is primarily uh, people of color, you know, who are saying like, no thanks, I'm good, <laughs> who, who have bowed out uh, and, right. you know, sort of accentuating am, the divide here. You know, I'm with, personally with... devastated that I won't see Mookie Betts on Thursday. Yes. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, th- this is this this whole thing just gets, you know, I mean, it, it's hard because we as, as covering Congress, you know, we think that we have this like sort of like lock into this like insular little society. And I think it is. It, it is a different place. But then again, um, it just seems like politics is kind of reaching into all of it. Um, and, and Absolutely. And some of the Red Sox, I would guess, would probably be on the Hill, too. I mean, they may. They that may, is may, my hope, yes. Jason. <laughs> I think you know me. I, w- I went to a Patriot ceremony and then was devastated mm-hmm. 
knowing that I was at the White House and they had already left and were up on the hill where I usually spend my whole day. Mm -hmm. um, and so I might I'm I might be scrambling to both do my job and see my favorite baseball players <laughs> across well, town. Well, that's part of the job. I, think. I mean, yes, and we have you slotted to go to the White House to, you know, to cover uh, the Red Sox as, as senior Red Sox correspondent. Although it's, it's not like there's any shortage of Bostonians and Massachusetts. Is the that, only, is that a word? Is the that a only word? reason base daters. Yeah. Oh, base daters. The okay. only reason I really have this role is because once when the Patriots won a World Series, Niels was in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> so our colleague Niels Lesniewski, uh was out of the country, and so I somehow rose through the ranks very quickly. Yep. He, quit, he became the Wally Pip uh, and you the Lou Gehrig. So, KTM, thank you so much for uh, for dropping by and talking about Congress and the Red Sox, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see you again another time. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. We'll be back with Jennifer Shutt very shortly. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. That's what I'm here for. We are back. Uh, welcome back to The Bill Press Show. I'm not Bill Press. I'm Jason Dick. As we discussed earlier, uh, Bill Press is uh, on on location uh, filming his Game of Thrones scene, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, it, when, when a Starbucks cup shows up, you know that the next thing that's going to happen is Bill Press is going to be there. Uh, joining me uh, with... Catherine Tully McManus, uh, who has slotted over to the friend of Bill slash Jason uh, sl slot here, uh, is our friend Jennifer Shutt. She's our budget and appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. You can follow her on Twitter, at Jennifer Shutt. She is also the Bill Press Show's senior central Pennsylvania taco correspondent. She's going to fight you on this. Yes. It's all of Pennsylvania. It's all of Pennsylvania. It's not okay. just central. Well, we'll, ta we'll talk about Stop it. Stop limiting the taco places I'm allowed to go to and expense to the Bill Press Show. That's right. That's fair. Well, before before we debate this this very important topic, we're going to do the full court press. This is the full court press. All righty, yesterday, just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, so the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison is out on the campaign trail. Uh, he's he's out there trying to make the case. Did a dingo get his? The dingo did not eat his baby, <laughs> but he did get hit in the head with an egg. A protester threw an egg at him and hit his head. Weirdly, the egg did not break. Hard boiled. Yeah, I was just. Did someone I, was it hard boiled? No one has confirmed. No one has confirmed whether or not the egg was hard boiled or not. Was it an ostrich or emu egg? It I hear they're harder. <laughs> that might be it. That might be it. They might have just thrown a giant soccer ball sized right. ostrich egg at his head. Uh, no, there's the Those video. Those things are like dinosaur eggs. They're gigantic. It kind of hits his head and it, and it and it bounces off. 
It so bounced off? It like, it, like, just grazed off of his head and went off. It did not break when it hit his head. Are we sure it was a real egg? Uh, by all media accounts uh, in Australia, it was a real egg, but I don't know if it was hard-boiled or... Uh, Not Silly Putty? No, no, no. Because those, those came in egg, egg. Little, little egg sort of Is sort of there things. the tradition of throwing food at people you disagree with or don't like their performance in Australia in the way there is such a storied tradition in the U.S.? <laughs> <laughs> or throwing shoes? Oh, Iraq, well, shoes is that? like that's much much worse. That's a serious sign of you could get hurt, right? Right, yeah, you, you, you can, can get, get hurt, hurt with it, shoe. especially our, like it's a shoe like that we like wear. Yeah, you know, no, we were size thirteen, yeah. fourteen. Yeah, just, like you know. Yeah, it's, these are not small shoes we're no. throwing around. No, uh, let's go to the White House because yesterday okay. we made it official. Today is my privilege to award our nation's highest civilian honor to one of the greatest athletes in the history of sports. Tiger Woods. There he is, folks. You know him. We love him. And, don't and we? he did. He we did that thing. Tiger, don't we, folks? He did that thing where he sucked in his teeth. He's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Man. Oh yeah. He talks about what a great athlete Tiger Woods is. An extraordinary athlete who has transformed golf and achieved new levels of dominance. He's also a great person. Mm. He's a great guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. What a great guy Tiger Woods is. Tiger Woods, of course, had to comment on this about all that he's battled. I've, I've battled. I've, I've tried to. I tried to hang in there, and I've tried to come back and and um, play play the great game of golf again. I've been lucky enough to have had the opportunity to do it again. Yeah, all the battles he's had, most of them are like you know personal demons. But, and and I mean, I I will say this though. Let's. Uh, I mean, I haven't ever had to fight off uh, an angry spouse with a golf, club, golf club. You know. Um, yeah. So I mean, who knows what what the man's been through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's please let's let's think about him. Uh, we go to Florida, where there's a community in Winter Garden, Florida. They have not gotten their mail delivered in three days. Why? Well, because one of the residents of the neighborhood spotted an alligator in a retention pond in the neighborhood, and the, and the postal service said, uh, "No, we will not be coming and delivering Wait, the mail what, to but you." Wait, it, but it's sleet, rain, snow, sleet, rain, snow, but alligators. Gators. That's no. where we draw the line, buddy. <laughs> We are not coming. It's Florida. There. They're Isn't, all over the place. Can't they use this as an excuse to not deliver mail anywhere in Florida? I was gonna say yeah. it's not like, yeah. or like alligators in Florida. The rest of the <laughs> or rats in DC. Sure. I, do think, <laughs> I think they've retired the snow, sleet, hail mantra because yeah. my parents don't get their mail delivered when it snows. Yeah. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. We are back. Uh, and again, as, as I said, we're welcoming Jennifer Schott, our budget and appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call, uh, to joining Catherine Tully-McManus and I. Uh, KTM and I were talking about the Red Sox, which is a great segue to Alex Cora not going to the White House because he doesn't uh, – he, is is a little uh, upset with the president holding up a, a huge disaster relief package over Puerto Rico, uh, which is which is where he's from. Uh, Jen, you were uh, you've been covering this yesterday. We were expecting perhaps some slight uh, indication that there was movement. Uh, you know, we'd gotten some word that uh, the two top Senate appropriators were going to meet Patrick Leahy, a Democrat from Vermont and Richard Shelby, a Republican from Alabama. And instead, uh, you went to a birthday party. 
Well, I didn't get to go. Okay. I got okay. to hang out in the hallway outside the birthday party, which is really fitting if you know me as a person. <laughs> right, right. It, it is. Uh, like, uh, FOMO thy name is Jen Shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was whose birthday party? It was Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby's right. 85th or 21st birthday party, depending on one or the other. Which doesn't have a gray hair on his head. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got red hair, uh, flowing red hair, uh, Peter. Not How unlike did that yours. Happen <laughs> because he didn't always have hair like that, right? It's it's like it turned a different shade, but it didn't turn gray. Have you been to CVS? <laughs> they have yeah. these products you can use to. I understand. To, <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, and a, a telltale sign. I don't think this is the case with Shelby. He's rather skillful, I, I think. Uh, but but sometimes uh, men, in particular men in their forties who are going through a divorce and just about and, and don't, can't afford a Porsche, uh, they'll ca- they'll color their hair and they'll forget their eyebrows. Oh, and, that's the tell. <laughs> and so yes, that's the tell. This happened with Pete Sessions a few years ago. Oh dear, who's going through a divorce? Uh, he colored his hair. Red, like bright red, almost uh, like like I'm um, like Halloween time red, yeah. uh, and and forgot about the eyebrows, and it's like, uh, Congressman, <laughs> can we talk <laughs> about hair care? <laughs> That's an interesting color scheme, right? And then you know he settled down. He I think he remarried. You know he accepted life is not fair and let his hair go gray again. He got out of the so, Kenny Powers yeah. phase of his right. life, <laughs> and then he got out of Congress. Yeah, he's probably the ha- I I bet he's happy. He's like. Well, who knows? Um, so the birthday party. Um, yes. So and this is outside of the appropriations committee's, uh, uh, you know, sort of meeting room. And there are a number of, as, as you mentioned in a in a, uh, a story you filed for Heard on the Hill, uh, that that there were there were a few guests that is like uh, kind of elicited a bit of a hmm. Who who were some of those guests? Are you talking about Doug Jones and? Jeff, Jeff Sessions, Sessions yes. being in the same room, yes. same suite of offices at the same time. I wasn't right. in there, so I don't know if they were technically in the same room at the same time. They were playing Yahtzee together. That's what I oh, heard. Oh, okay. That may starting not, that, that rumor? That's probably not true. <laughs> okay. um, but no, Jeff Sessions, the former uh, attorney general, longtime senator from Alabama, um, he uh, you know, gave up his relatively, totally, completely, completely safe, safe. Uh, <laughs> Senate like seat to be the attorney general under Donald Trump, uh, which is less know, safe. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting career choice uh, <laughs> yep. at that point. But he, you know, he well, it worked out really well for him. It worked out, and and also, I, I, I'll I'll note that like, regardless of how you feel about Sessions as a person, as a as a lawmaker, uh, his politics, and so forth. He did the right thing as attorney general. He recused himself from an investigation in which he had a potential conflict of interest, which was the beginning of his demise working for Donald Trump. Uh, he, he acted ethically and in keeping with Justice Department guidelines, and uh, he, he endured basically two years of hell uh, for it. Uh, so anyway, so Jeff Sessions- It was Sessions, time for him to head to a party. Right, it was time for yeah. him to head for a party. So, Weirdly, uh, last week I was riding my bike and I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Sessions, you know, uh, and, and he was about to cross East Capitol Street on like 3rd. And he it was like 8 o'clock in the morning and he had a full suit on. I mean, he looked like he was getting ready to go to a job interview or something. Um, anyway, there's a rumor that Sessions could potentially be interested in running for his old Senate seat, which is up in 2020. Doug Jones, the Democrat who won that seat in... Uh, special election when when um, Sessions left, he beat Roy Moore, the the Ten Commandments judge down there, who 
had a thing for younger women. I was uh, going to say the Ten Commandments <laughs> judge is actually kind of like uh, generous. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of to everything else. Well, that's how he, that's how that. he made his reputation. You I know, know, I know, his, I know. And then and then his reputation was made by. You know, the fact that he and, used to cruise them all, like and, Wooderson or something, and, and uh, from Days and Confused. And uh, he <laughs> might want to run again. Yes. And, the, in fact, the the only poll that I've seen in terms of the Republican candidates and uh, uh, or potential Republican candidates in Alabama for the uh, nomination, Roy Moore is leading. Yeah. By, like, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like... Doug Jones may be the luckiest man in yeah. Congress twice. Let me uh, just say, if, if, if that happens. all my family is from Alabama. I mean, these are my people, for better or worse. Right? <laughs> I was convinced that Roy Moore was still going to win mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, senatorial. This race. is what Trump's election did to the world. It, I know. It, it, it always points that it's it's like a grain of sand in your mind. Like, I know that we, you know. I, I know that like some sort of like uh, demigod is not going to emerge from the earth to run for governor of Arizona, but there is that small chance. You never know. Right. Like we never thought Trump would get elected, right? Uh, so anyway, the the this it created this like situation though where you're you're wait you're you're on the outside, you know, like sort of waiting for for news about whether uh, billions of dollars are going to you know get funneled to communities that desperately need it that are recovering from floods and hurricanes and uh and, and other disasters and um and and a birthday party breaks out and you even had a, a you know you had a napkin you know like yeah, the, we, the, the, someone the sneaked a nap the certain <laughs> senator who shall rename nameless sneaked a napkin out for us that was nice because that senator yeah. could not sneak cake out for us apparently. well did well but didn't he i mean he, he he this is John Tester, a Democrat from this Montana, is, who'd offered well, to try to abscond with some cake for you all. Right? I think he was mostly joking, but it was still a nice offer because there's if you know where the Senate Appropriations Committee office is in the Capitol. Most of humanity does not. Yeah. So there's <laughs> there's sort of a main entrance that everyone was going in. But there was a side entrance uh, right next to an elevator. If Always you wanted, a side entrance in Congress. Yeah. If there. you wanted to if you were a certain lawmaker who may not have wanted to walk through the press gaggle at the main entrance, you could have taken the elevator down and walked through the side door. Okay. We were also watching the side door. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, at one point in time, Senator Tester left, and he was jokingly saying that he would sneak a bunch of us in to get cake. And I really wanted to take him up on that offer because coconut cake just sounds it's really good. Really good. Yeah, it's really good, um, especially on a Monday. But I didn't know like what would happen if all of a sudden like a bunch of senators who know I'm a reporter were like, that girl's stealing cake. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should have like, pushed the envelope Capitol there, Capitol Police Jen. have arrested no. me? I don't know the ramifications of that. So, and Wait, there was you, a deadline. You've been arrested by Capitol Police? No. Oh, you haven't? Oh, you, no. you, you, you could have been. You're, you're, that's a hell of a story I, to tell when you're right. in the pen. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> what happened to you? KTM, did you know about this? Cake. About your possibly felonious colleague here? I uh, didn't you know? actually steal the cake. <laughs> And it would like not be just... an offense that the Capitol Police could arrest you for. Is that a crime? For. I don't know. Oh, I don't you know just nothing. asked her if she'd been arrested. How many times have you been arrested, Jen? Zero. <laughs> Zero? Zero. Are you sure? Yes. Has anybody been arrested here? Have you been arrested? This is yeah. a weird game to play on air. Well, I've been arrested <laughs> thrice. I, I, we, Three times. Yeah. Like that's, that's, the, that's the biggest <laughs> bit of non-news also, yeah. uh, on the Bill Press show today. Peter Ogburn has been in trouble before. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Probably yeah. coming from some sort of Bill Press-related event. Oh. Uh, one of them was, yes. <laughs> Jason's my boss, and I thought we voted to ban the box in D.C. We did. Oh, we did. Oh, right. Very good point. I don't yeah. think you're allowed to ask me. Oh, oh, oh look at this. What a power move. Yes. That was oh, amazing. This is, this is this is what happens great. when you hire people who do their homework. That's like, great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this is my that. favorite moment that's ever happened on this show. It's pretty great. <laughs>
including the time I was named Senior Pennsylvania Taco Correspondent. Okay, should we just do this now? Then should we just make or, like take away the North Central part and it's just Pennsylvania? Yes, it's, so it is we already so, agreed so, to that. So you can you can now cover the taco beat in like Hershey when you go visit your mom. Yeah, right? <laughs> obviously we have great tacos in Hershey. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh actually in Harrisburg. Um, I no, was it Harrisburg or? Or, uh, Don't confuse I, it, it with Pittsburgh. No, 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 no. It, it wasn't. The, but a, a friend of mine told me yeah, about, about a place school. called Macho Taco um, in 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 Harrisburg. I don't know if it's still around. Maybe it's a friend of mine who's from Harrisburg. Oh, okay. Um, and and he. So whenever I go, you know, I go on these minor league baseball trips, and my friend Ken, who now works in Marin County, because he's got a better life than most of us. <laughs> like, he, he he put in his time here. You know, he's he's from Central Pennsylvania. He survived that. Uh, and then, it's, I mean, congratulations. He went and, and Ken. Ken, this is for you, Ken Shapiro. I'm talking about how you have an awesome life. Uh, so Ken uh, survived growing up in Harrisburg. Um, he went to Tulane in New Orleans on a tennis scholarship. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? <God>. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. Also, here's the other. I mean, this this is partly like an and uh, you know a generational thing. He he got under the wire. Uh, in in moving to Louisiana, so that the drinking age was was still nineteen, so or eighteen. Holy so God. so he went to college like without having to get a fake ID in New Orleans. Not that it would have mattered that much, like in in New Orleans. Fair. But like went. I mean, so he survived that. <laughs> Tulane. I wouldn't have. Yeah, uh, like he worked in a startup somewhere in like Santa Monica, like during the dot com boom. Uh, and then moved, find, found his way out here, got a master's degree in social welfare, uh, specializing in addiction counseling and so forth and, at uh, in Baltimore. Worked for the drug czar's office uh, under George W. Bush and Barack Obama. Uh, finally left there because he's like, I do not want to be a politically appointed person. And and he, he just stayed there because he's good at his job. But people kept on like leaving and getting fired and, and, and so forth. And he was like... I'm next if I don't get out of here. Like, they're going to make me a political, and I don't want to be a political under anybody, uh, whether it's Bush or Obama. So he went out to um, San Francisco with his wife and and, and started a family. Uh, he was working for HHS for a while, and then he has a job uh, for a, a, a local community uh, grant program that helps people who are homeless get uh, the primary care they need. Um Anyway, he he uh, also is still you know feeding me d- different tidbits of information about Harrisburg because he still has a lot of affection for it, including this place called the Spot, uh, which was a burger place downtown, a divey burger place. I know Peter is like, yeah, I never heard of it. <laughs> uh, it's it's so it's only at the ballpark now at the at the, at the Harrisburg Senators oh, ballpark, oh, okay. uh, no. which which is an awesome place to watch a baseball game by the way it's it's on the island that's in the Susquehanna River uh it's Susquehanna right is that Susquehanna Susquehanna Susqu- Susquehanna Susquehanna okay um that that river it's in an <laughs> island not in that river near 3 mile island uh don't <laughs> so- <laughs> hate on 3 mile island <laughs> 3 mile island it could have it could have been worse it could have been Chernobyl right <laughs> Is that so, the, is that the the state motto? Yeah, could have been worse. No, could have been worse. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Are we gonna talk about disaster aid? Yes, let's talk about disaster. Let's talk about disaster aid. <laughs> yes. So after the birthday party, um, not a lot of news uh, com- comes out of that, except for the fact that Jeff Sessions and Doug Jones were there and they were uh, playing Jenga, uh, right? With the country. No, with the country. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh. Yikes. Uh, so, um, so 
we have not a ton of time, uh, you know. To I mean, granted, this is a lot of this money is overdue to these places, especially Puerto Rico and yeah. Georgia, so I think Texas. the first thing. What's next? You the know, first like, thing to sort of always point out when talking about the disaster aid package that's been stalled in Congress for months is that the the communities in the states that are experiencing severe weather now, flooding, wildfires, right. tornadoes, etc. FEMA's disaster relief fund, which is sort of the first on the ground federal government response Mm -hmm. to natural and man-made disasters, they have plenty of money, right? So that first sort of short-term, you know, food, clothing, and shelter type federal government response, that is completely funded. There's no concerns that at any point in the next few months even – FEMA's disaster relief fund would need a special aid package. And so especially and, if Alex Cora can gas up the Red Sox charter plane and go down to Puerto Rico himself with supplies. Right. Paper it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, right? it's su- yeah, supplementing. Yeah. And so I think the other thing to point out before we get into the conversation about this disaster aid package is that following the hurricanes in 2017, those three severe hurricanes, two of which made landfall over Puerto Rico, Um, There were a series of three disaster aid packages that were passed by Congress and signed into law. And so that was money for FEMA's disaster relief fund, some debt forgiveness for the National Flood Insurance Program, and a whole lot of money for HUD's Housing and Urban Development's Community Development Block Grant Disaster Relief Program, which is sort of infrastructure and sort of. And so that's one of the issues that is holding up this current aid package, which most lawmakers think will be primarily to respond to the 2018 and early 2019 natural disasters, not necessarily so much for the 2017 natural disasters, which already had three packages for short, mid, and long-term recovery, right? And so they've been debating this package for months now. There's a series of bills that have floated around Congress. Some have gotten House floor votes. and so they range anywhere between, I think, like $13.45 billion and roughly $17 like, billion. And the House passed one, like, in January. Like, yeah. And, and it's just been kind of, like, yeah. they've been sort of ping-ponging back and forth. And so they've been and forth, going back and right. forth. And one of the complicated issues was that President Donald Trump, I'm not really sure, I, I don't, you know, get tape recordings from the Oval Office, so I don't know what <laughs> meeting he was in. Just ask the Russians. If I, yeah. WikiLeaks. If, <laughs> no, thank you. Um... No, thank you, Russians. Um, so where was I? You were with uh, that where where it's been hung up. Why why yeah. tr- why Trump? Yeah, is and sort so of he there have been several points in time when the president um, has you know gotten briefings, and I'm not really sure what they were or how he interpreted those briefings, but he's sort of come out and said that um, he doesn't really want to provide a whole lot of additional disaster aid for Puerto Rico because he feels that they are not spending it wisely or they've gotten too much in these from these federal grant programs um and obviously hud has a formula in determining mm-hmm. how these cwgdr grants get distributed in terms of the total kind of like property damage um that these storms sort of wreak havoc on these areas right. and so you know with respect to those 2017 hurricanes you know texas puerto rico the u.s virgin islands and a couple of the other states that were impacted, they are supposed to be getting grants that are sort of as a proportion of that total allocation. Previously, they're supposed to be like in line with the damage, right? right. Like 
there's there's not just someone sitting at HUD like throwing darts at like a board with numbers like oh Texas gets X billion Puerto Rico gets Y billion like they they think this. Through. Are you sure the dart the dart thing sounds like uh, right up this administration's alley? <laughs> I mean, maybe certain people, but they're not the people. Right or the, actually, that's how they choose the guest host on Bill Press. They, Peter just gets a dart and he's like, like well, it's an axe. Let me let me get a couple let me get a couple drinks in me. Yep, it's Jason. It's Jason again. Is it a dartboard of your face? <laughs> no, it's a dartboard of other guest hosts' face. You know, it, it, it's like it's uh, concerning. Yeah. Do you want to go get bagels now? <laughs> <laughs> Should we just leave? That's my bill press routine. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, and I one of the things that has sort of uh, I, did, I feel like I'm. I'm like I have to check uh, on Twitter sometimes that I'm not. It's not just an old tweet that's resurfacing, but like they're very Trump, similar. Yeah, Trump. Trump will like say like you know Puerto Puerto Rico has already gotten ninety one billion dollars, and then invariably not like the number. John Harwood not of CNBC will say, no, that is not the. Tr-. I mean, I, I feel like John Harwood is is like he has an alert set up just for the Puerto Rico like sort of fact check, and and because he's he's usually there within like five seconds. Like this is not true. <laughs> there is no. We're close to ninety one billion dollars. But it's like it's this thing that Trump won't let go of. And and it's fascinating to see members of Congress, you know, because it seems like they're just like, we'll eventually wear him down. Like, well, it, that's it, the <laughs> really interesting thing that I'm sort of trying to keep track of this week is because Republicans made sort of a, their like fifth proposal to Democrats or something. They've been ping ponging back and forth for months now. And this proposal would include additional mm-hmm. aid for Puerto Rico and kind of incentives for HUD to more quickly distribute the previous CDBG DR grants to Puerto Rico and CBG Texas. Oil? No, it's not. No. You um, notice I perked up again. <laughs> Burgers. Yes. CBG oil. Yeah. There. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, disaster aid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the formula. Yeah, that they they think that they can find a way to show him that they're spending the money wisely. Yeah, right? and right. so that's the whole. There was a counter proposal last week that Democrats were much more receptive to than they were of previous Republican proposals, and there were staff negotiations over the weekend um, that Shelby told some of us yesterday on Monday had gone pretty well. He In said, between bites of coconut cake. He didn't actually bring the <laughs> coconut cake into the hallway. I think he was worried that we were all like so hungry at that point that we would have like stolen the cake from him. Probably. Ravenous I'm, I'm not above that. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, he said there's still some obstacles that they need to work out, and it sounds like they're sort of trying to fine-tune it. Um, And one of the things that I sort of took away from my conversations with him and staff and Democratic appropriators yesterday is that there's sort of we're like 95 percent of the way there in terms of getting lawmakers um, to agree to a broad bipartisan disaster aid package. But Trump is the wild card. Right. And so I think once they I think (laughs) the idea right now from my interpretation of what's been happening and the conversations I've had is that they want to get themselves 100 percent of the way where everyone kind of very privately in a meeting, you know, the congressional leaders, the appropriators, they sign off on a deal. And then I think Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell kind of needs to get on the phone Maybe Kevin McCarthy needs to get on the phone or actually go over to sixteen hundred. Both, both of whom have like disaster designated disaster yeah. areas, California Kentucky and, and California. Kentucky. Yeah, right. I mean they want this money for their states. Well, mm-hmm. McConnell has been very clearly frustrated with the slow pace of this. He's made several How can you floor tell? speeches. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can tell during his floor speeches. Some of them are. Right. I got to open the Senate, and some of them are. I'm frustrated about this. Right. And I think this was a concern 
over the weekend that not to make it all about me and the Red Sox, but when it, Alex well, it is though when is Alex though. Cora made basically announce or it became public that mm-hmm. he was not going to go to the White House for the Red Sox World Series celebration um, with Trump, there were concerns that this slight to the president perceived slight uh, could stir up more volatility in what Trump was feeling about Puerto Rico aid because Alex Cora has been so active on that issue. And some people had the thought that if Alex Cora just hadn't made it public, but it was going to come out anyway. But there were concerns. I mean, we had uh, intern, you know, Slack messages going on this over the weekend, God help us, um, (laughs) about what impact the Red Sox managers not going to the White House could have on a disaster aid package. And to me, that is wild. It also is combining way too many different elements of my life for me to... Um, but there were, but there's, we real, are, there's real concern that if Alex Cora, you know, if it had stirred up more media attention and had, you know, uh, yeah, gotten... If there's a certain well-timed segment on Fox News that Trump happens to see right after potentially talking with McConnell or McCarthy or Shelby about a disaster aid package, maybe they, he just decides him, he's not going to sign something. They've got, they've they got him there like 99% of the time, and then Lou Dobbs like goes on a tirade about Alex Cora. It's like, there it goes. There goes there goes your billions of dollars <laughs> for the rest of the for, country. Yeah. Um, th- Which is a really interesting right. observation of where we are, not only from a political standpoint, but from a policy standpoint, where the president may decide not to support something that is broadly bipartisan in Congress because a a manager of a sports team from Boston didn't come hang out with him at the White House. And I don't know, is he going to do the fast food display again? Or do major league teams not, is that just collegiate teams? I I don't know. I mean, so I don't think he had that. I mean, I I wasn't sure if he had that with the, with even the, the, um, with West Point, you know, because they were, he had some. He did it with the women's NCAA basketball championship. Uh, but I can't remember if he if he did it yesterday. He did he did not offer Tiger a fillet of fish. Uh, so uh, at, at the ceremony yesterday. Um, but one one thing I want to talk about. We've we got a couple of minutes left uh, in, in in this segment. Uh, is that there the underlying kind of relationships that are that take place in this in in the world you know that that we cover, particularly the Appropriations Committee really don't match up with this like, you know, conflict driven world portrayed in in a lot of, you know, you know, media segments on say CNN, Fox, MSNBC. Um you you had a story last uh last week Jen about Kay Granger and Nita Lowy. Nita Lowy is a Democrat from New York, uh Kay Granger is a Republican from Texas. They're the uh Nita Lowy is the chairwoman of the House Appropriations Committee. First ever. Re- first ever uh, woman who is is the um uh, leading the Appropriations Committee in the House, Kay Granger is the ranking Republican. And, I mean, on, at first glance, right, I mean, you'd think this, le- you know, uh, Nita Lowy is the, your, you know, almost stereotypical bubby from New York. You know, I mean, like, she, she's like, you know, she's this very friendly, outgoing, gregarious person. Kay Granger's a little more reserved. She's, you know, you know she's a, a proper Texas woman. Uh, and, and yet they get along great. And and just like Shelby and Leahy get along great. I mean, there there is this old joke that there are three political parties on Capitol Hill: Democrats, Republicans, and Appropriators. I love that joke. Uh, and and <laughs> you love all appropriations humor, though, Jen. You're, you're easy on the appropriations I humor. I don't it's really have true. A if you want like a little bit of hope 
for the democracy, there's a great video on Roll Call right now of oh. Nita Lowy and Kate Granger. From Jen's interview. From yeah. Jen's interview. Yeah. And they're laughing together and not at the expense of anyone. Right. They're they're come they're coming together on an issue about what is what our priorities for the country and I don't know it I thought it was a great interview. Um, I think that's a, that's a good that's a, actually a good spot to end on for this segment. Uh, just let's leave it with a little bit of hope, right? You know, like the uh, check out Jen's story, check out the video on roll call, and see people actually working together a little bit. Uh, the president's nowhere near that video. <laughs> uh, Jen KTM, thank you so much for joining me in the segment, and uh, we'll 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 watch the. Uh, We'll watch the Red Sox slash appropriations beat uh, for for further developments on disaster aid. Don't forget about tacos. (laughs) And tacos. (laughs) Thanks a lot. This is the Bill Press Show. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. I'm Jason Dick. I'm guest hosting Bill Press. Uh, Doing a favor for Tim Krepp uh, is leading a tour of Congressional Cemetery and the vaults uh, as as we speak, uh, which is usually Tim's uh, Tim's world, uh, part part of the universe. Uh, Tim Krepp, this is the first time you have been on the Bill Press Show, which I find shocking. It's a grievous oversight, Jason. It, 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 yeah. it really is. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, Peter did not line up the darts when uh, when he was picking guests uh, in, in the previous 13 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 14 years. 14, 14, 14, 14 years. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, yeah, making, the air. It, making it yeah. worse. <laughs> making it worse. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Uh, I, uh, but, uh, uh, Tim, uh, you are... Uh, a Capitol Hill denizen. You're you're my neighbor. Uh, uh, we're, we're both over by the by the prison. Uh, but actually, it's a jail. It's te- yeah, technically right. a jail. Let's not overstate it. It's more here. of a holding yeah. right. Uh, right. cell yeah. area yeah. and the methadone clinics. And, methadone clinics. Uh, over, uh, over, uh, and, and the homeless shelter's winding down. It's so, winding down. They're, so, they're finally going to uh, kick all of them out and, t- and right. take, take them to uh, some of those uh, motels on motels New York, New York and, Avenue. I think we're actually building some new ones. So yeah. a rare beam of light in this right. dark city. So. Uh, and then the gigantic water project near RFK. Yeah, the tunnels, which is it's a it's beautiful. Uh, theoretically, uh, <laughs> it's for cleaning up the river and or hiding bodies. So it looks works, like so. they're building the Death Star. I know. Uh, I know. And I, I, I don't know if, it, if the, the the area of the world that we're talking about uh, is is on the Anacostia River. It's it's south of RFK, in between RFK and the jail and Congressional Cemetery, and it really does look of Death Star type proportions. Right. right. You know? and, and I'm not entirely convinced that DC Water isn't an evil empire behind the Death Star. Right. I mean, they're they're building a new headquarters down by the Navy Yard, and it, yeah. it looks. Uh, they, how many facilities do they need for this? Know, They've I mean, got blue planes. Like, can't right. they just put everybody there? there? Yeah, I, mean, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> this is the, the place of uh, of great smells uh, from around <laughs> Capitol Hill. <laughs> uh, but Tim, I mean, one of the things that I um, have always uh, appreciated uh, about about your you know presence here on Capitol Hill is that you um, you take being a citizen very seriously. Um, and whether that's a, a citizen of the country, but particularly of our part of it, Capitol Hill, and people, I think, forget that Capitol Hill is a is kind of a town in itself. Even if Congress wasn't here, I mean, there are like forty, forty five thousand people who live on Capitol Hill and Capitol Hill boundaries. And you know, we would do we 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 may have a few uh, some fewer restaurants if Congress wasn't around. But I mean, this is a place uh, unto itself, and you're you're a big part of that, All right? It's 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 a neighborhood. It's a you know it's a, it's a, it's an overblown phrase, but the whole village in the city, which has both good and bad aspects mm-hmm. to it. Um, but it's a, you know to us, I think those of us that live on the hill, 
Uh, the big white building is simply the factory in a factory town. Right. It's not It's not our emotional core. It's not our right. center. It's on the outskirts of the neighborhood. And, right. yeah, a lot of us got to go work on there. Now, thank God I don't. But, uh, yeah, some people do. Well, you do like, sometimes, though, because you do, you do tours I around do. Capitol. I this do. Is, this is one of, one of your uh, your jobs is that you, you are a, a tour guide. I'm a tour for, guide, around, yes. around town. And so you, you do go to the Capitol at, I, at times. You're not one of the redcoats. No, I'm not one of the redcoats, which right. is, we'll talk about that later, the idea that our Capitol guides are redcoats. But it's, it's, you know, a, it's a huge iron irony. irony. Just, absolutely. <laughs> What was the war for? Come on! <laughs> but um, um, no, we'll take uh, we'll take visitors there. I, I try to find fascinating. Um, we'll take fo- I'll, I'll take school kids with most of my mm-hmm. work here from across the country to the capital and what their impressions of our of it are. What their their biases leading into the tour? Mm-hmm. Did we change them? Did we reinforce the biases? Um, uh, we've talked to many many congressmen, and I can say over the years, uh, without naming. Any real specific names that it's uh, being boring to school kids is a pretty bipartisan trait. So, yes. Uh, so these, uh, these <laughs> Especially as you get uh, to a, a man of become a man of a certain age as right, we are. As right. A, as, a, as a as a as a pertinent <laughs> perspective. Um, and I think especially with Congress, well, congressmen and women, but you know, especially congressmen, they're told they're great all day long. They have right. people kissing their rear ends all day long, so they think they're fascinating people. Everyone's laughing at their jokes. Right. And there's nothing more humbling than being in front of a bunch of eighth graders that just are bored and right. and bringing down a peg. So checking uh, their phones, so that's, right? Yeah, you know, like can... okay, old white guy, I don't really care what you have to say. Right. So uh, I don't want anything out of you. you know, I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not a staffer. So so I like that part. Of and it. and you're getting into high season now for for tour. I mean, like the winter just slows to a crawl. We are in like the, for the student tour yeah. world, we are probably two thirds through the high season right now. This okay. is this is the uh, this is close the, up the, American the, classroom, mm-hmm. presidential classroom, those, stuff those like folks, that. Yeah. and uh, yeah, and we do a little different model, but we do you know. The, the eighth graders are our right. bread and butter. It's it's the shadow running and time to harvest them all. So it right. is uh, where I got to put the nets. It's it's seasonal labor. So um, ideally for this, uh, ironically for the student tours, we slow down in the summer. So the mm-hmm. summer is a quiet season for us. And there's a lot of tourists in town, but their families but and the visitors, are visitors. Yeah. The students are are. I don't know wherever kids go in the summer, I, yeah. or something like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> so don't care. Uh, so, uh, not, well, no. Peter, where do your kids go <laughs> in the summer? You know. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, same. I know. I, I, I just don't see them for like three months. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Who knows where they go? Uh, Tim, uh, Tim, your your daughters are a little uh, ninth, younger. Ninth and fifth grade. Ninth so and fifth grade. All right. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, an eighth grader uh, and a fifth grader. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're in the same. We're in the same boat here. Yeah. yeah. yeah is, I have no idea. I mean, no, right. this is, yeah. This is these so. are the peak years for emotional terrorism on your that, parents. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I've, I've worked hard to raise independent children. That's why I live in a city, so they can right. go out and explore the world and get out of my house. You're a free-range you know, so, parent. Oh, I, I, if we have to have the label, yes, yes. Uh, sure. <laughs> if we have to be lame about it, sure. I'm a free-range parent. I mean, I when when I think about like what I. The, the potential trouble that I could have gotten into and didn't as, yeah. a, as a kid growing up in Cottonwood, Arizona in, in the 70s and 80s. Oh, my God. I mean, like, in the middle of Cottonwood, there it was an old mining community. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, they smelted copper. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was just a good idea. Let's just put all the, the, the you know, the refuse, let's put all the slag in the middle of the town. Sure. We'll just build a gigantic black mountain of slag and let's leave it there forever. And so as a teenager or as a young kid, it's like that's an amazing place to play army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it's basically glass. It's a mountain of sharp glass that we climbed up all the time and nobody died for some reason, some yeah. ungodly reason. It's a lot safer now in, in, our, in our world. <laughs> the more we get to be a safer world, the more parents kind of freak out about the yeah. perceived 
insecurities. Yeah, you're right. You know, back in the day, we ran out in the woods and did stupid things, and and I, I hope my kids are too, to a smaller extent, doing right. stupid things out there. But uh, mildly stupid, well, mildly stupid, yeah, double yeah. A stupid, but not, it's, not majorly. It's stupid. a fascinating yeah. model where we don't let kids grow up, we don't let kids grow up, and then all of a sudden they turn 16 and we give them a car and say, hey, go forth and you know, right. I hope the maturity fairy take, take this 3,000 pound right. hunk yeah. of steel <laughs> and try not to do anything yeah, wrong. Make good decisions. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so you're you're also frequently working on uh, a, a a sort of a project. I mean, I think one of the last times we talked, you were you're reading about um, or doing research on like what would have happened if we hadn't had the Revolutionary War, if we had not uh, separated from Britain. I don't even know what to call it, but yes, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hip deep into that, trying to come up with, you know, whether it's going to be a book or whatever, or, or probably nothing, but, you know, but just immerse myself in this idea of, of what it would have been like to be just, you know, not the George Washington or mm-hmm. the, 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 any of the, the people that we know about, but mm-hmm. just Joe Bob, the shopkeeper. Right. And all of a sudden, all these weird radicals are coming around with all this idea. It's like, it's fine, guys, you know, okay, whatever. We'll, right. we'll, we'll either agree with them or don't agree with them or just don't care. Because that's what most people today just don't care about politics. When we right. talk about, we care about it. We live, it's it's a company right. town. We all talk, uh, you can go to Tunkliffs and someone has a 16-point plan of Medicare reform and they'll share it with you whether you want them to or not. That's and, that's uh, where Elizabeth Warren is campaining right now. I, boy, I mean, that is yeah. too real. <laughs> yeah, I know. That is too Real. <laughs> All I want to do is have a beer. Next thing I know, I'm yeah. next to some ice chewing psychopath <laughs> telling me about you know some stupid plan. I don't yeah. care. About. I'm like, oh my god, real- DC is the worst for drinking. Sometimes. You realize I don't have any power to make this plan happen. Leave yeah. me alone. Right, right, right. Do I look like I want to talk about this? Le- leave me alone, Congressman. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. Getting access to a congressman is really more of a liability around here than, than you no, want. No, so. no kid. Yeah, it's um, like you sometimes you just don't want to get stuck next to. Somebody oh. like drinking a natty bow, oh, you know, like and just, and have them like, you yeah. know, oh no no no, can we just watch the game? Well, and, I, and, well, and I don't really, I mean, I follow baseball, but I don't really follow sports a whole lot, so I don't have that default to like shift mm-hmm. the conversation away. So I was like, uh, can we talk American Revolution? Because I can talk about that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so, Are you well? You've written a couple so, books about ghosts, too. ghosts, yep, ghosts in the yep, Capitol, ghosts, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, Capitol and Georgetown. Haunts and ghosts of Georgetown. That, that could freak people out. They that could is, be like, oh, maybe I'll find somebody else. Right. This could be. Kind but of the problem weird. is, ghost people are almost worse than politics people, and I shouldn't really insult my audience, my customers. Here, but uh, but they <laughs> they they they're like cat people with not living cats. So it's, uh, it's oh. they're coming. They they really latch onto you. And Sp- speaking of that, real so. quick, because um, uh, a couple of oh God, uh, a couple of years ago, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago, Catherine uh, Telling Manis, our one of our last guests mm-hmm. uh, on the, on the show, she uh, did this video for roll call about some of the you know with, yes. with our herd on the hill people about like the the ghosts in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. What is the deal with the cat? The the cat paws and the haunted cat in the in the rotunda. The demon cat. The demon cat. The demon the cat. Yes, yes. yes. Um, so the idea of the demon cat is mm-hmm. that it lives in the bowels of the capital, deep mm-hmm. deep down in the sub sub basements where mm-hmm. near the know, bathtubs. Well, right near the bathtubs, which are, which are Lincoln catafalque. Uh, yeah, the catafalque area mm-hmm. and all that. Even below that, somehow, and that there's always a night watchman down there. The story always begins with someone late at night walk around and in the distant gloom of their flashlight perhaps or their lantern they see a cat and that's not unusual I mean especially back in the day when that was a you know, cats were put in there to keep the rats down right. mice down and stuff um, and they see the cat and the cat gets closer and closer and it emerges larger and larger and the very last moment the cat pounces at them and it's it's the size of a cart horse was one account and a cart uh, horse a cart horse which yeah. is a reference we don't get a whole lot but nope. but a horse that pulls days. a cart so right. uh, um, maybe that's bigger or smaller than other horses I don't really I guess know, probably so. it's maybe smaller than a draft horse. Right, but, I would know, think, bigger yeah. than a quarter so, horse. Yeah, so, yeah, this is, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know horses. I do not. So. Growing up in a ranch, they're the yeah. ones that aren't cows. I right. got that much. Right, so right. 
right. uh, um, so the the cat leaps at you and you cower and it leaps over you and then you turn around and it disappeared and so so it's this this telling of the story and over there the are like cat prints there in, are cat in, prints in, in the rotunda down like in the yeah, yeah down on the, uh, in the crypt, crypt level sorry, yeah sorry, right, the crypt, right outside yeah. the senate and and they're they're there if you want to see them they're right. they're Gonna have to want it a little bit, but they look like right. cat prints in the. Now they would be like house cat size, right. um, um, and I, I, I. They probably are cat prints. They look yeah. like cat prints. They, there's that uh, polyurethane glaze that mm-hmm. uh, rather just a solidifies everything. Just went yeah. over all the stones, which yeah. you know, if you ever talk to the historic preservation folks, they're, they're horrible, horrible right. way to preserve stones. But right. they, but. Yeah, just all it takes a little moisture. Yeah, you, just, to, you yeah. basically have a pothole. In right. Yours, yeah. Just right? yeah. So, uh, but somewhere in that glaze, a cat walked over just a few spots. So it's kind of interesting. Now, now what I find fascinating about that is retroactively, this cat appears before major events, before the Civil War, before the Kennedy assassination. Now, never okay. at the time. Never mm-hmm. there's no contemporary accounting of this. But uh, so oh, I, it's a harbinger. It's right. A, it's a harbinger. Uh, but oh, but oh, only of it, doom. But only told 50 years after the doom has happened. So, okay. uh, so I assume so nobody that, can fact check. Right, right. So I assume <laughs> in a couple of years someone's going to say they saw the cat before 9/11. I mean, that's uh, okay. That's uh, or something like that. The Trump election. I don't know. Something that uh, <laughs> something cataclysmic. Right. Uh, something right. traumatic. Um, on back on the on the local sort of scene, uh, you're you know you are actively engaged, particularly on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. You you I, I believe I would say. Uh, like like very few people, you actually use your Twitter powers for good. Oh God, do I? Um, That's well, really or, or, or the at least, I'm going or, or at least like sort yeah. of pushing back on things. You're you're not mean about it. I mean, like you, you, it doesn't not. mean you don't call BS on right. something that Muriel Bowser says or something like that. But like you're not like mean. I try to about punch it. up. Yeah. I try not to avoid punching down. Yeah, and and and, and, and there are very few people I feel like uh, uh, that that. Think of of Twitter as as a way of commu- of actually communicating with, with people as opposed to ranting right. or, yeah. or, and so forth. Um, but the there are any number of issues too to occupy us besides that of Congress and the national conversation, right. which is important. Um, and and I I mean you've you've been in town. Uh, Roughly oh, twenty. Yeah, I came here first as a student in ninety three. Ninety three, so almost, maybe for a while, but been back here permanently since 01. Okay. So. And, then I, and I, so I've and I've moved here in ninety eight. Mm-hmm. You know, when I mean, moving here in ninety three was a little different, <laughs> even than in ninety eight. I mean, a very different. Uh, I mean, I was a college city. student, so therefore uh, I was an idiot. But you know, right, and, and right. I'm observant and all that stuff. Well, and and also you possibly a little cloistered, you know, because mm. just a little bit, it, just yeah. a, a little bit. But I mean, DC was uh, a a very different place. Very different uh, it was in the Marion Barry era, right. and of course, I had very different opinions on it then than I do now. But it was, it was. Right. I had a, you know, if not a first-hand seat, I could see the seat, first-hand seats from where I was at. So. And and I feel like that you know one of the things that comes up over and over again is like the, this is a city transformed, um, and we we may not be going in a direction that seems sustainable. I mean, like I'm I am glad it's safer, you know, than when I moved here in 1998. I think it's good to have a to, to live in a place where people want to move, and people are moving here. They're they're, they think that there is an opportunity to either engage in public service or be in in, in some way, you know, kind of while the earth spins, make yourself useful, yep. kind of kind of thing. And uh, so we have. I mean, there. I think just in the twenty one years I've been here, like the city's gained like two hundred fifty thousand right. people. Good third yeah. or so. You know, because yeah, and and outside of that, we're Baltimore, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're we're a kind of a wreck of of, of a city. Um, no offense to Baltimore, it's just like it's got a lot of problems. No. That made it almost indistinguishable in terms of like the urban like problems that it had like violence or mismanagement by by government. So 
it the city is not mismanaged in the way that a lot of big cities no. are. And, and it's important but, to keep that in mind because you know, I'll rail against the ma- the mayor or some council members and all that. And like our problems today are generally speaking much better than our problems were when I first came here. Right. So I mean, the, my kids go to public schools. Right. They've been they've been to two public schools, a traditional one and a, a charter one. Both have been amazing experiences, mm-hmm. far better than the public schools that in the land suburb that I grew up in were. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been amazing. Our transportation system largely works, and mm-hmm. so we I complain about that all the time, but compared to the rest of America, which right. is a very low bar on transportation systems, I might right. add. <laughs> yes. uh, you know. I grew up in, uh, in, I went to high school in Phoenix, right. so right. yeah, we, yeah. we so. had bus service. We did not have bus service on Sunday. Sure, right, now, because people don't <laughs> have to do anything on Sunday. Right, so right. It's, uh, um, yeah, nah, people I mean, don't have to go to work, you know. Right. I mean, it, it was just insane. I mean, we're, we're almost at a fourth-tier Eastern European city level, right. so which is which is a very good for Which America. means we have a subway uh, that works some of the time. Right, right, um, yeah, we largely have a subway. It exists. I, I My favorite part of this is that, again, you know, some of the problems that are that the, the 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 metro when they built it they they utilized a contractor that had no uh, peers. I mean, they, 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 so when the when the escalators finally started going twenty years after, which they will, you know, there were no replacement parts. So right. you know, the Potomac Avenue Metro is my metro stop. You know, and and yesterday I got out of it because you know I've been like trying to bike more now that mm-hmm. the weather's nicer and so forth. Yesterday I got out of the metro and I and I just the, the entire an entire row of escalators is just missing. Just, it's yeah, just, gone just gone because they're like <laughs> I think we just have to rebuild it entirely from scratch. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you contrast that with a place like San Francisco where they're like, you know what, we're just going to buy a bunch of old trolleys from around the world because they made the same trolley for all cities. So we're just going to make that like the streetcar because it's the same everywhere. Which is amazing in the D.C. metro is that our cars don't have the same of of like the 4,000 series or the 5,000 series. They're not interchangeable. So the parts aren't interchangeable. So every one is a handcrafted one of a kind, uh, whatever. And and so it's like, yeah, it's like. It it's like an Italian pair of shoes. Yeah. It looks really it's nice, just, yeah. and it is it it will cost you through the nose mm-hmm. to do any kind of repair on it. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like a sports car. You it's, know, that's why Southwest flies only seven thirty sevens. They have the standard it's airframe. It's uh, which got them in trouble with the Max, but nevertheless, it's, right. uh, it's everybody uh, got in trouble yeah, with well, the Max. Yeah, that's, uh, um, but so, yeah. the, but you know, not to minimize the problems. What what do you think? You know, I'm I'm always curious for people who have been here through a couple of different eras. Sure. What they perceive of as like Washington's biggest challenges outside of Congress and and the administration and the Supreme Court, outside of the federal government, right? What are the biggest issues that you see as somebody who's a civically engaged person, like that face that Washington DC has to deal with? So it's it's interesting because the federal government's not our problem. That's your problem, America. Deal with it. You know, you you something (laughs) you elected these you people. people, Yeah, you know, you fix this. This is not you don't like Congress. It's your fault. Yeah, we don't have a real rep. So uh, that's you 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 don't let us play in the sandbox. So I don't care what you do over there. So, Uh, but for for DC, the locality where Mm -hmm. I live, where you live, where you know Peter lives, we are. Oh, he lives up in like Ohio or something. I'm like I'm out of the district. I'm I'm one of those guys. It's like is it Gaither? Is it Gaithersburg? Right. It's even it's me. Even more north than that, Germantown, oh, like way, Williamsburg? way up there. What are you about? I'm You're close. Are you closer to Frederick than you are DC? Yeah. Uh, that's not wrong. Okay. <laughs> that's not wrong. You know what though? I need to have land. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's that's, nice to have land. <laughs> what are you, a farmer? <laughs> <laughs> I, like to, I like to sit on my porch with a nice cold glass of tea and eat my cucumber sandwiches and look over all my land here. Well, what, what he actually likes to do is he just wants to be able to pee in his backyard without a, anybody calling the cops. Look, also I not can, wrong. <laughs> you know, also like, not I, wrong. I can sit on my front porch. 
and look over my land and pee off the back alley if I want. <laughs> I can do all of that. Now, my yeah. front porch has like 10 feet of land, but whatever. So. But, but you the back alley is... You, you don't have to spend a lot of time mowing it. Yard. Yeah, there's not <laughs> yeah. a lot of time mowing it. That's and, why I have kids. That's, uh, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so back to your question, though, of yeah. what the... Never mind the interloper sh- yeah. in the booth <laughs> yeah. there. You know? So mm. back to uh, all that. Um, in many ways, we've come so far. I mean, mm-hmm. our schools have... Remembering what schools were like 20 years ago. Remember what my daughter's school was like. She's in ninth grade now when she started at pre-K three of how the school has grown mm-hmm. or how our transport how our transportation network has grown. And, you know, how many more bike lanes and things like that. We have is the bike share systems and all yeah. that. So on one hand, it's easy to say, like, look, we've come so far. Yeah. But then you compare it to again to worldwide standards of where we are at. Um one thing that we all are facing as a nation and in DC is that global warming, climate change is happening. Mm-hmm. And we can put off other things. You know, Sure, race issues are an issue, but they've been an issue for 400 years, and we deal with that. And so obviously we need to deal with that right now. But if we don't, we can deal with it. We can let it fester another 40 years, and it'll be horrible, but it can still happen. If we do that with climate change, if we don't attack that mm-hmm. right away, there will be irreversible repercussions, and we're already at that point right now. Right. So so how, as D.C., how do we tackle that, um, the automobile? How do we look look? America, look, Washington, D.C., we need to fan plan on a post-car lifestyle, on a mm-hmm. way that, and don't even get me on start on autonomous vehicles. That's not going to happen, so leave me alone on so that it's the jet, It's the jetpacks jet of pack the 21st whatever, century. Yes, yes, I've seen this yeah. play out before, right. so yeah. We're yeah. going to have jetpacks. Nope. Yeah, nope. Go put them on the shelf with Google Glasses right. and shut up about them, so right. I'm kind of rather, this is not, uh, um, it's, and it's certainly not happening in a dense Peter's wearing Google Glasses right uh, now. Yeah, he got a deal yeah, on them. That's, that's right, that's right. So, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's, but, uh, so that that has to happen, and that right. and we're, we're approaching that from a traffic safety, mm-hmm. from from biking, things like mm-hmm. that. It's caught up in the culture wars as it always is. Right. Um, but we have to think big and quick about that. Right. And if we don't deal with it soon, um, and also it's just a nicer place to live. When yeah. we can walk, we can bike, when we take efficient mass transportation, when we don't have to be well, moving I, a car. And I think about this, like most of the time when we see each other or run into each other, it's because I'm on a bike, you're walking like from your home exactly. to you're, you're dropping your daughter off at her at her school. Like you're at Peregrine, right. you know, downstairs uh, oh, getting a cup of coffee. Layer. I know, <laughs> I know. It's it's it's, uh, it's the office, right? You know, um, and 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 that those interactions happen because we're not in cars, in car. right? And and right. you grew up. In Arizona. In Arizona. So, I mean, like I grew I, up in a car-driven yeah. suburb. If yeah. I wanted to go anywhere, my mom had to drive me. Right. So those those interpersonal connections, that sense of community wasn't built. Right. By, you know, so so beyond the environmental issue, which you know, okay, fine, I don't really care about the world when like, when I'm dead. Right. My kids will deal with it. But but it's just nicer. It's a it's a yeah. nicer place to live that way. Um, and and I one thing I think was very encouraging. You know, like going back to ancient history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, f- five six years ago during the mayoral race, Tommy Wells, Tommy who was, Wells, who was yeah. the council. Uh, member from Ward Six, mm-hmm. this area uh, that encompasses Capitol Hill, he made a bid for mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lost mm-hmm. uh, to Muriel Bowser mm-hmm. in, in, in the, the primary, primary. Yeah. and then she, recognizing that he has value, because one of his things was uh, was hugely, I mean, about you know a sustainable community, a, a you know as car free as you can get, mm-hmm. like making sure people have a place to go, a third place, if you will, like Eastern Market. Uh, and also from Alabama, Peter. Uh, yeah, Tommy, Tommy Wells is from from Roll Alabama. Time. I'm Homewood, uh, Alabama. Yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, he he. You know, w- she tapped him to be the head of the district environment. Yeah. You know, like department. And then his chief of staff, Charles Allen, mm-hmm. won his old seat. Yeah. So we have 
we have these sort of this the sensibility of like let's make this a nicer place right. to live. Right. Let's, and, let's make it a more pleasant place because that is also like the smarter place. To and, live. and and the other thing is is now we have to make it. It can't just be the rich white people of Capitol Hill have a nice place. It has to be right. equitable across the board. We have right. to these. This isn't. Uh, this has to apply to the whole city, um, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that. You know, the recent discussions uh, with Ward Eight of mm-hmm. like, folks that are saying, "Hey, no, we we want a safe, walkable community right. too, and it can't just be limited," which it right. is right now, and then we have to expand that that discussion. Right. Um, and I think that's that's happening. That's growing. Um, our problem is we've made too much progress, and we're too satisfied with our progress without right. recognizing how far we have to go. Yeah, everybody's like, you know, like you and I can sit back and be like, "Whoa, I had no." I had no expectation that my house would be like <laughs> worth this. Like, I mean, things are nice; they're great, and like, and we do. We get a little uh, sort of satisfied with like, oh, oh life is good. We don't have to like keep fighting, you know, for on on the big on the, some of the bigger topics. And housing, I would say, is the other major issue we have yeah. to tackle right here. Like, oh, it's great. I'm going to be a millionaire pretty soon because my house price is like great. Where do my kids live? Where do right. my neighbors' mm-hmm. kids live? Where do other folks right. live when that happens? Where are newcomers going to go? These these folks that are coming to Washington D.C. to change the world. These folks that have grown up in Washington D.C. Where are their houses going to be? And if right. everything is a million dollar house, right? Where does they're not going to be here? Yeah, they're they're going to they're they're going to have to go somewhere else. Right. And, and you end up like Paris, where you're. You know, you're a, you're a rich city surrounded by like poorer suburbs. Yeah, yeah it's, know, I mean, in, in Paris, London, San Francisco, New York. It's yeah. a, and we're well along that way. And if we yeah. don't take drastic change on that, we'll end up that way. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Tim, we have about a minute left uh, in in your capacity as Tim Krep. <laughs> what uh, what what should people take like take away from like thinking about is in terms of like this is a good place to live. Like not not that you have to be a civic booster, but like you you obviously feel uh, some affection for it, and you only have forty seconds. Forty seconds. <laughs> oh crap! Now I'm on the spot. I can't think of it. So. No, it's it's a it's a community, and mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in a community. I grew up in a in a housing project or right. a tract, whatever, not project. But right. uh, it's it's a community where people get to know each other, and if you mm-hmm. give it a chance, it will reward itself in that one. Well, Tim, thank you very much for. I mean, again, it is a travesty that this is the first time you're you've been here. Let's all blame Peter. (laughs) It is my fault. Actually, let's just blame Bill. He's not here. Yeah, 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 that's a better idea. (laughs) Anyway, Tim, thank you so much for dropping by. Thanks a lot. All right, and thank you for joining us here on the Bill Press Show today. It's been a pleasure being your guest host for the last two days. This is the Bill Press Show.